trying to change the world here, people. Oh, really? Facebooking and the tweeting and the Instagramming, all that would not exist without our understanding of science. So it's amazing how you took that as an insult. You mean true for you is different from true for anybody else. Have yeah, something to absolutely, because I can't think either got to be true or not. I can't, no, no. Well, hello, O'Reilly Radio listeners. Welcome back to O'Reilly Radio. This is show 167, recorded Friday, October 6th. 2017, where we dismantle the current events for your edutainment through mostly rational conversations that make you go, oh, really? I'm your host, Andy Cowan. I have with me my usual suspects. I've got Stephen Griffith. I've got Daniel Atherton. And, of course, the wonderful Amber Besecker. Welcome. As always, it's good to be here. It's yep. good to have you. Good to have you. Okie dokie. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been yet another week. Things are weird. Things are crazy. The uh, the world is on fire, uh, as we know. But we'll get to all that. But first, we have to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we make mistakes, so if you find any of those, go ahead and let us know. Give us a shout-out at Podcast at gmail.com or phone it in at 470-222-6759. And uh, if you happen to be a Patreon supporter, I'm sorry that I've been neglecting my duties as a host and actually an editor and putting things out for you, but I would like to always thank you, Donald Davis, Melissa G., Henry, and Daniel Duncan of the Problem Addict Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us through good times and bad. Okay, so we're going to follow the money as we do, and, uh, well, I've got some good news. The markets are continuing to go up. Overall, up, 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 up. Though, is that the sign of a bubble? I don't know. Uh... I don't know. Job report was kind of bad this this past month. Yeah, that's that is an indicator, and I think that it's it's important to realize that now, starting in, really in October, we're now uh-huh. we're now on the Trump plan. Uh huh. Anything yep. anything that was thanks Obama is done now. Yeah, so, and jobs are down. So. Yeah. Just remember to keep reminding everyone of that fact whenever anything comes up. Well, you know, it's it's good to at least paraphrase. It's like, okay, so by the way, this is the way it is. This is the way the world is now. So, October 1st, the first week here in, in October, uh, the Dow closed at 22775 That is up $394.39. Not quite as much as... Uh, as September was up from August, but in a single week, that's pretty darn good. That is skippy. Yeah, the Nasdaq also had a had a good rally at six thousand five hundred and eighty five thirty six, up one hundred and thirty one ninety one over last week, and the S and P five hundred closed at two thousand five hundred and fifty two oh seven, which is up forty two dollars and a cent. Uh, now from nice. from Zach's, where I'm getting a lot of these numbers and some of the analysis. Uh, quoting directly from them, the S&P 500 breached a 20-year record on Thursday after hitting record close for six days on the trot. Also, the Dow and the Nasdaq notched up all-time highs. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives passed a $4.1 trillion budget bill for 2018. This package also includes a $1.1 trillion for non-entitled spending, which further includes the U.S. defense budget for 2018. That's some big money right there. Yeah. 
So, and of course, we're now on the Trump plan. So let's mm-hmm. see how things go from here. So I, th- I think that really this might have been one of my better decisions to try and fig- just follow the markets and see and how things go money. for the trade-off. Yeah. So just following the money. And Again, continuing the, to follow the money, follow the oil, that which yeah. keeps us running. It's down. It's down. So the first week in October, we're down to $49.29 a barrel, which is down $2.38 overall, From and we're back to uh, July prices. Uh, now, if only we can get the refineries back online in Texas, we'll actually have lower gas prices. Right. But That's, that's actually an issue. Let's think about this. The prices are down. Which means supply has gone up, and yet the refineries are still offline. Yeah. So some, well, something's going on. Remember, oil is a publicly traded commodity, so supply might not yeah. necessarily be much higher, but a lot of people may have started selling it off. That's very true. That's very true. But I, every time that I think about oil, I think about OPEC. And any time I think about OPEC, I think about Saudi Arabia. So I'm wondering what's going on over there. I haven't heard any news lately, but that doesn't mean that something isn't uh, isn't stirring. So, and then we like to also do a little quick check in on the IMF monetary fund, the uh, the basket of currencies, as it were. So the euro, the Chinese yen, uh, Chinese yuan. Sorry, the Japanese yen and the Great British Pound, and also we throw in Bitcoin there because it's nice to watch the uh, the new up and coming cryptocurrency and see what it's doing. So for the first week here in October, one U.S. dollar will get you eighty five euro cents. It'll get you six point five seven Chinese yuan, which is uh, down a little bit. The euro um, stayed. Yeah, stayed. Yeah, yep. uh, the Chinese yuan slipped a little bit. The Japanese yen uh, went up a little bit at 112.63. And the British pound is rallying a little bit at 0.77, uh, up from up from 0.75 previous week. And Bitcoin slipped a little bit again to 0.00023 bitcoins per dollar. So it's good to, good to keep track on these. You never know exactly what's going to happen. And then, of course, we like to also check in with our national debt because it's something that we all know exists, but we don't necessarily want to acknowledge it. So we're going to acknowledge it. We're going to, you know, talk to the, talk about the elephant in the room. And boy, is that elephant in the room eating all the hors d'oeuvres. So today for October 6th, uh, we're looking at twenty trillion three hundred and forty five billion two hundred and eighty one million seven hundred and twenty nine thousand three hundred and sixty nine dollars. Of course, that number continues to spool up. That just happens to be the snapshot at which I took it. Uh, and that is up one hundred and sixty seven billion two hundred and seventy nine million nine hundred and eighty four thousand seven hundred and sixty three dollars from last week which is interesting because that's an awful lot higher by a hundred and sixty two billion dollars more than it was up uh the last week in september so there that number does continue to fluctuate it is not a static increase things happen week over week you know, if you just watch it, it's just it's a number that's going by so fast you can't tell. So snapshots are important. 
And you can find all that in our show notes and, you know, continuing. The show notes are going to going to be a, a valuable resource as we go further. So since we're talking about money, I wanted to talk, I wanted to move the, the Trump tax plan into this segment. It makes, it makes it more interesting, I think, because uh, otherwise we'd already be done. So, uh, I know it's not necessarily fair <laughs> to say, but how many of us are are in the uh, in the zero percent tax uh, tax plan here? We got one. We got two. At least by a show of hands. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so two out of the four. Um, I let's see, single filers. Um, it's going to depend on what I make this year because okay. I'm self-employed, so I don't have a static income. Right, right. Well, I hope that you're not in the zero. I hope you do do much better. And, uh, and how it's would either going to be how would zero or you? ten. How would we find you to make sure that you make more? Just to throw a little plug in here real quick. Oh. <laughs> we'd, we'd search for Lana Hart, right? Yeah, you would search on Amazon for <laughs> Lana Hart, L-A-N-A-H-A-R-T. There we go, Lana, not Lana. Okay. Emphasis is important on the right <laughs> syllables. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Trump tax plan, which I've I've put a link in the show notes for the PDF, which is available out on uh, Donald Trump DonaldJTrump.com. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's using his own resources, which is always lovely. <laughs> Um, now this is a, a, this is continuing to be an evolving thing as more details are ironed out, you know, because the, oh, the, it, it, it's getting nasty, especially with what the house just passed. Yeah, we'll we'll chat about that in just a moment because I actually go ahead and pull that up if you would and, and drop a link in the in the notes. For okay. Um, but as far as the the Trump tax plan, the thing that they're working based off of, they want to move to three income brackets. This is down from seven. Um, now there is the potential for Congress to add a higher tax bracket beyond this, but that's, and that, so that option is at least there for those higher earners. So income tax rate at 10%, 20%, and 25%. So there might be a 30 or 35%, you know, beyond that that would be added, which would be lovely. I think that that's needed especially given some of the more details that are that are coming out. But looking at uh, looking at this so a 0% tax rate, you're not paying any taxes, any income taxes. You're only making you're making 0 to $25,000 single. If you're mm. they, they really kept the math really simple here. It used to be if you were married, the number would not be an exact double of the single. But instead, if there's two people, oh, look, it's just double what the single was. So I guess that's simple, but I don't think that's fair also, because no. there's other demographic information that, that is involved with that, and that doesn't necessarily mean that both people are income earners. Though in modern age, I think every family seems to be a two-income family at least. Uh, so we're, we're looking at uh, so up to $50,000 if you're filing uh, jointly married, uh, and I heard that they were they were removing the head of household, but there actually is a head of household uh, 
category now. So this is different than the last time that we talked about this, because a lot of this is exactly the same. They didn't really change a whole lot, but this is different. No. So if you're head of household, you're up to 37500 and you're paying a 0% tax rate. You know, that's that's pretty good for an awful lot of people. And it's pretty easy to file for head of household. You're just, you happen to be the breadwinner. You might be single. You might be the only breadwinner in the house. Therefore, it's kind of defaulted. Uh, then we go into the 10% tax income. So $25,001 to, oh, look, $50,000. So an interesting little uh, little segment there. In fact, let me see if I can, now it. it Right now, it'd be too difficult to actually show that to you. So you're just going to have to look at my show notes or listen to my voice. So married filers would be fifty thousand and one to a hundred thousand. Shocking, they just doubled it. And head of household thirty-seven thousand five hundred and one to seventy-five thousand dollars. So as head of household, I I might make it in there, maybe, depending on how much overtime I get this year. And income tax rate uh, at twenty percent. Then you're looking at a, uh, there's also a long-term cap gains dividends rate, but that's going to uh, apply for not really a whole lot of people. That, that's going to be the, the rather affluent people that can actually put away money in the stock market and can deal with things like that. But most of us are probably going to be in the, uh, in the, the, the zero and 10%, to be honest. Um, uh, so for the 20% rate, it's $50,001 to $150,000. For single filers, that's going to be a big chunk of Americans right there. At least that's the middle class, really. Uh, married filers, one hundred and one thousand to three hundred thousand. Uh, head of household, seventy five thousand and one to two hundred and twenty five thousand. Then you get into the affluent people, which would be everybody that makes too much freaking money, typically. So that's the twenty five percent tax rate. And that's $150,001 and up, so no limit on that. And married filers, oh, look, it's just double, so $300,001 and up. And if you happen to be the head of household, $225,000 and one uh, and up. And that'll keep you in the 25% tax rate. So, honestly, if that was all we looked at, a lot of Americans would probably be okay with this really you know they, they i'm would, not i wouldn't be no probably not but i'm talking majority of americans fair majority of americans would be pretty okay but so at an, at an income rate at an income tax rate of zero percent why would you not be okay um because i understand how taxes work and i also understand that the government needs money in order to function. Mm. I'm not talking ethics and morals and actual knowledge. I'm talking about pocket pocketbook. I'm talking about share the money that you get to keep. Um, you know the selfishness thing that you can possibly the the most selfish thing that you can if possibly. If you were to take it at face value, yeah, say face value at this little chart. I, I, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I have the burden of knowledge. Nope, nope, nope. You, you, at, must, at, you must unlearn what you have learned. At, if you didn't. At, <laughs> pretend you've sustained a catastrophic head injury. Yes. Okay. You've had a rod through your you, head. Something, something seems fishy about this because the numbers are too straight. 
Oh, they're very straight. That's because they're made up out of whole cloth. It, they're pulled out of a it, hat, like it, the Book of Mormon. This looks like middle school understanding of government taxes. Yes. And that makes me go, these numbers are fake. That's yes, but if you didn't trust. have the knowledge that If I didn't have, have a, 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 a high school education... I know a lot of high school educated people who don't know this, who have no idea. I would, I would say you're you're at least a junior in college to to have the knowledge that you do. Uh, at but, least, at least. On face value, I'm going, especially in Florida. Well, yeah, it. it <laughs> <laughs> while it doesn't hurt me, I'm going. There are people. What about the guys that make millions of dollars? Oh, you see, and, you're you're having empathy, and you're actually thinking about other people than yourself. <laughs> you see, that's your problem. That was your first mistake, and your second, and your third. <laughs> no, so, I'm just going. There are people that make tons and tons of money. Shouldn't yeah. they be paying more? Ah, uh, yeah, but what about you? We're not we're not talking about those other people. I wouldn't mind paying at a 5% rate if it meant certain things were taken care of for me. Well, there's always sales tax. I, you can't avoid sales tax. Yeah, but th- there there are other things that I would like mm-hmm. my government to provide me, like health care. But right, that's but because I think, you're a socialist. I, I think what Andy is asking fair, is fair. solely in the context of your paycheck. Yeah. For Only no in- other, considering nothing else. Yeah. Cruel calculus. I'm already dealing with the cruel calculus, and I'm going... No, nope, you're still having empathy. You're not cruel enough. We're talking trolley problem here. <laughs> Real trolley problem. Some Daddy Warbucks shit. <laughs> okay, I- so... Obviously, it, 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 you're having it, it, you're having issues. I understand, and I I am an I, ethical human being. I understand this. But if you were looking at nothing other than your paycheck, if not, if this existed in a vacuum, yeah, if if it wasn't, if you weren't thinking about how it would affect everyone else, if you were just looking at at it for the purpose of your paycheck and what you got to keep in a vacuum, in a vacuum, where honestly. Most people live. Yeah, they don't. They don't extrapolate to other parts of their lives or other people's lives. For the sake of just people, people who are looking at this, which I think is the vast majority of Americans who are looking at this and mm-hmm. only going as far as saying, "Oh, well, my paycheck is going to have a zero percent rate or a ten percent or whatever." I'm not going to pay any income tax. This is awesome. This looks I'm libertarian good to as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tread on me. That's right. I'm, sorry. I'm a snick. That's right. Oh, uh, sorry, everybody. I, uh, I, I, I have I, been dipping have... into the Founders Reserve Porto, so um, I'm I'm going to be um, liberally swearing, probably. So I, I just have enjoy that. From the tree of knowledge, I know too much, and okay. I cannot divorce knowledge. All right, we can't. We cannot. Uh, we cannot uh, take you down that dark path of just selfishness. But I can go no, down that dark I, path again, because I've drank I, enough. So I, I, I am selfish in my selflessness. 
I know what stuff has to be paid for in order for my life to be good, yeah. which means taxes must be paid, and I am okay with paying taxes as long as it goes to the stuff that right. I need. Right, sure. but I think I think the context of this thought exercise mm-hmm. is why so many Americans who, yes, you are right, if they were looking beyond how this affected their specific paycheck, would know this, but because they're not, they're only looking at how this is going to affect their take-home pay and going, well, why is this a bad deal? There are this a sounds lot, great. This, there's more cookies than this that are for those people that are only self-centered about what they're bringing home. And or just happen not to know. Yeah, and and really, d- okay. Who here itemizes their taxes? I don't itemize I do. my taxes. I I don't. I do. I, I every used to. every time that I've tried, the standard deduction has been better. Every single time. It's yes for me too, but I go through the process of seeing which okay. one. Well, I I do that uh, too, but then I end up taking the standard deduction. No, I yes. I have had okay. sometimes with with IMIs when I made more money and was able to give more regularly to charity. Okay, so where your, your it charitable contribution ended up taking that really helped, okay. really really helped. Okay, cool, very good. You, you see, you're just showing that you're a nice person, that you're a good person. You know, no, you, that you're, was back you're, when I was working for UPS. Still, and you're you had to-, to give. Still, you're totally an outlier. <laughs> you're totally no, the union for this. Union went. You're giving ten percent. What? You're giving ten percent. Interesting. I did not know that they did that. Uh, mandatory yeah, that, contribu- mandatory charitable contributions. If you work for UPS, it, it it wasn't mandatory. It was strongly implied. So mandatory. <laughs> I mean, he was voluntold. I mean, I was voluntold. Ten percent. I mean, the the Teamsters are known for you know breaking kneecaps and things like that. That's kind of a trope. So uh, it's not a trope. It's truth. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And All right, so yeah, voluntold. It was. Uh, uh, we were voluntold. Ten percent goes to the United Way. Specifically to the United Way. Yep. This is interesting information that I was unaware of. Huh. Okay. Everyone, continue to follow the money. Apparently, a whole bunch from the Teamsters unions go to the United Way. I wonder why. I don't know. Interesting. Okay, so put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that eventually. So, um, standardized deductions, because as, as Amber and I have both gone through, we go through, we try to itemize out, because, hey, let's see if we can actually get every little penny we can, and then it ends up being the standardized deduction is better. Well... Mm. That's not going to change because they're doubling the standard deduction. 12000 for singles, 24000 for married. Again, this is a whole big chunk of your money that then comes right off the top and then stays in your pocket, lowering your effective tax rate. So that puts all... If you, if you do the standard deduction, even if you're making... Uh, $60,000, which would put you in the 20,000, 20% uh, tax rate, the standard deduction puts you down in the 10%. So, you know, math, it's, 
you know, that's the simple math of it. Of course, you know, TurboTax and whatever whatever you happen to use to file your taxes uh, will help you an awful lot with this. But that's a big candy for people that don't care about other people and are only trying to subsistence wage earners. People that yeah. have to be concerned with their take-home, that cannot be concerned with anything else. That's a big gimme. That, that I will say that is a big gimme, and that can help stimulate the market short-term. Apparently, they're also increasing the child tax credit for children that are under the age of 17. Didn't quite catch how much they're increasing it, but it was apparently substantial. They're also adding a uh, or improving the adult dependent tax credit uh, to five hundred dollars, you know, per adult that you're you're caring for. Honestly, that's one place where I would be more fine with having a larger tax credit. Yeah, because ha- having an adult dependent is is more of a financial burden. It is harder to care for for that person. Mm-hmm. So increasing the child credits, increasing the adult dependent credits, I'm all for. That's a place where I can go, we can even give more here. I would actually, I think they missed an opportunity. I would say remove the child tax credit, remove the dependent tax credit, and just make a dependent tax credit. Yeah, adult, you can Adult or child. Which except, would simplify things. Yeah, except that I, I see what they probably did there. You know, if they're the same rate, I completely understand. But if they're a different rate, that's where I where I differ. But it's specifically there's a child tax credit for those under the age of seventeen. Mm-hmm. That means if you have a child living with you that's still under your guidance at the age of eighteen, up through, well, at least according to the Affordable Care Act, you're able to keep a child on your health insurance until twenty six which apparently they're, of course, going to remove, and they're reflecting this in the tax code. You know, follow that writing on the wall, they're going to remove that. Yeah. That's, that's the idea here, is that that's going to go away. So you're going to end up with a child dependent who's going to end up being an adult dependent at a much reduced rate that's still going to be on your insurance and living under your roof for X number of years. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's going to cost you money. We're, it will cost this you is more a, money. A, this is a place which actually, if they did more here, would truly help the middle class. Right, but you see, here's where again we're getting into empathy and caring for other people. If you care for other people, we're not going to help you as much. But if yeah, you're but, being completely selfish, then there's plenty in this tax credit that's all for you. Yeah, but even under the selfish thing, like mm-hmm. again. The thing that we keep hearing from Munchen, from from Ryan, from yeah. McConnell, is that this tax plan is going to help the middle class. As it stands right now, this really isn't helping the middle class that much. Expanding on the adult dependent tax credit would be a significant boon to the middle class. Probably it would yeah. help. It would middle, help the poor, lower middle would, class. Yeah, but it would be a significant, and I mean truly significant benefit to the middle class. It would be a relief act almost. Yeah, something like that. Um, so things things like that are are really the gimmies to the lower 
echelon of, of taxpayer. It also removes the lower echelon of the taxpayer from the tax code in many respects by putting them at an effective tax rate of 0%. Which, how do you make... How money? do you make the money for the government? Where yeah. does that come from? How do you square this square this out? Especially by, when... Hang on. Oh, but wait. Yeah. There's it, more. Tell them what they've worse. won, Alex. Okay, so they're also removing the estate tax. They're also removing the alternative minimum tax. Which, actually, that's a Trump special. Yep. Because that's where he typically gets pinged. Yeah. So, between those, and amazingly enough, the GOP, so it's not just not just Donald Trump, but the no, GOP as a whole, has marketed the estate tax as something that hurts farmers. It doesn't. It totally doesn't. But to the farmers... They would call it, they wouldn't know it as the estate tax. They would know it by its other name, the death tax. Which is a thing that is typically used by the GOP, especially in states like Kansas and Oklahoma yeah, and yeah. Nebraska. Yeah, the grain um, basket, yeah. The bread basket of the, but of the country. The estate tax truly only affects the exceedingly wealthy. It does. Yeah. The Oh, there, there were tenths of a percent kind of thing. It's it's not even a whole percentage At, point of, of the U.S. population. And it is there so that generational wealth is... is we're, we're forcing the wealthy to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. That way they actually couldn't just rest on the laurels and, and let that income continue to burden over and over and over. You know, families like the Carnegie's, um, the Rockefellers, Rockefellers, you know, that yeah. those, that's where the estate tax really came, came into in. play. Now was, we're was talking the, families like the Koch family, the Waltons, you know, Waltons. Yeah. That, that's the biggie. Yeah. Uh, Koch's Waltons, uh, and, and, and Trump's, they, and they Trump, would all, yes. all would be pinged by the estate tax. Um, now, the estate tax, imagine Donald Trump dies. All the money that is in his name would then fall to his heirs. You know, the children that he actually puts in his will. Yes. <laughs> little stab, little stab there. With that, you end up with all the money that they would inherit. If it is over a certain percentage, it's going to hit the estate tax. Yes. If it's less than that, then nothing. So, But if it hits the threshold, it is hit by the estate tax, the government gets a share. Right. And that share goes to pay for, you know, roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we're not uh, talking it, like insurance payments and things like that, like, you know, a life insurance premium comes, you know. No. Or anything like that. This is simply wealth that has been accumulated in the family coffers. Th- this is wealth accrued. That is then inherited. Yeah. So I encourage everybody that, that has heard the death tax and things like that, just look it up and see if you at all qualify or anybody in your entire family lineage has ever qualified. <laughs> it, it may have been like 
a while back. Yeah. But in, in modern day, we're we're talking a very slim percentage of the U.S. population would be pinged by the estate tax. Yeah. Now, other things that were interesting. The corporate tax rate the, um, is also going to be cut. So this is Which not, is stupid. Yeah, this is not just for the American people. This is also for the American legal entity people. <laughs> you know, the ones that can still have a, uh, a religious belief somehow. Um, so the corporate At- tax rate is being cut from 35% to 20%. So a 15% decrease in the amount of government revenue just from corporations. And corporations are notorious for not paying anything anyway. Yeah. Now, th- this is where I I can put on the devil's advocate cap. Okay. And divorce myself from being empathetic and going, hey, you know how we get those corporations to stop sh- sheltering all their tax money? By becoming the tax shelter. Okay. Put a, pin uh, in, put a pin in that. We'll come right back to that. Also, yeah. corporate tax rates uh, for S-Corps and small businesses and things like that, uh, also known as pass-through businesses. Um, which affects Trump. Which is funny because it shouldn't. He should be the larger corporation, but yeah. So, yeah, he has a workaround. So the S-Corps and, and those uh, that variety uh, can be taxed at like 39.5%, and they're proposing bringing that down to and capping it at 25%. Mm-hmm. It's, that's the important part. Yeah. So that's huge as well. Almost another 15% on top of that. Really. So overall, corporate taxes, they're going to cut by 15%, no matter who you are, no matter how big or small. And then I go into a Dr. Seuss rhyme. So, um, and then there was one other thing. Oh, yeah. And this, this really burns me. And I don't know how they're going to square this one. And I haven't heard yet. But apparently, deductions for state income tax on your federal income tax will no longer apply. So you'll essentially be double taxed on your income. So you'll have to pay your state income tax which could be completely different than the federal. We're just talking about the yeah. federally proposed income tax here. And then also pay the Fed, depending on how much you make. Now, typically, the the federal government was kind of taking a hit on that, saying, okay, so the, the, the state government gets to take their, their cut first because you belong yeah. to the state, you know, in, in that way as a citizen. So you would pay your state government, your, your state taxes. Some states not included, Texas, Washington, Florida, uh, New Hampshire. There's, there's several states, I think seven in all, that don't have a state income tax but have something similar or, and really high uh, sales tax, typically. Yeah. So with, with that... Then it would be deducted, like the standard standard deduction, and then that would be how much you'd be in the tax bracket for the federal income tax. This doesn't do that. You're in the same bracket no matter what, and you end up paying twice. Which is really a, a fiscal penalty on states like in, – in citizens in states like California and New York. Right. It's 
it's a penalty on the citizens, not the state. Yeah. It now it depends on whether or not the state is kind enough to then put into their own tax code a different deduction to allow for the federal taxes to come out and and then do that. And some states might actually do that. Some might not. Might. Of course, they also... California might actually have a more sane tax plan as well. But that right there is a giant middle finger to states like California, New York, Pennsylvania. Well, specifically to the populations thereof. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, that one really gets my goat. That burns me. Now, it doesn't burn me so much because I live in Florida. But that's Fair. again me being empathetic to other people. This will yeah. not, this will not affect me at all. But it is morally wrong, right? And also, it made me consider instead of moving to uh, to Oregon, I might move to Washington instead, just because of that. Yeah, this pa- passes. Yeah. yeah, Washington just became the hotspot for uh, <laughs> for Northwest migration. Uh, it's already been that way for yeah. A, yeah. A, a couple of years now. Yeah. When one of my clients uh, moved from Arizona, he had mentioned wanting to be in the Pacific Northwest, and he specifically wouldn't move to Oregon over Washington for that reason. Yeah. So there you have it. That's something. Okay, so then we get into how they propose to be fiscally responsible, and the Trump tax cuts are fully paid for by. They got four items. These are big grain of salt items. I don't think they're going to work, and they presume an awful lot. First, by reducing or eliminating deductions and loopholes available to the very rich, starting by steepening the curve of the personal exemption phase-out and the P's limitation on itemized deductions. The Trump plan also phases out the tax exemptions on life insurance interest for high-income earners, ends the current tax treatment of carried interest for speculative partnerships that do not grow business or create jobs and are not not risking their own capital, and reduces or eliminates the loopholes for the very rich and special interests. Now, now, mind you, none of these are mentioned as to what they're actually removing. Yeah, there's no specific line items. Super vague, like, hey, we're just going to attack the rich for this. That's, that's, we're not seeing that. No. Uh, these reductions and eliminations will not harm the economy or hurt the middle class because the Trump plan introduces a new business income rate within the personal income tax code, they will not harm small businesses either. Does So with one hand, they're trying to simplify, and with another, they're recomplicating it. We'll remove all these, all these complications over here, but we'll add a new complication over here instead. It, it it doesn't work. No. Watch what the left hand is doing while the right hand picks your pocket. That kind of thing. So that was one. Uh, yeah. The second. Two. 
a one-time deemed reparation of corporate cash held overseas at a significantly discounted 10% tax rate. Since we are making America's corporate tax rate globally competitive, it is only fair that corporations help make that move fiscally responsible. U.S.-owned corporations have as much as $2.5 trillion in cash sitting overseas. Some companies have been leaving cash overseas as a tax maneuver. Under this plan, they can bring their cash home and put it to work in America while benefiting from the newly lowered corporate tax rate that is globally competitive and no longer requires parking cash overseas. Other companies have cash overseas for specific business units or activities. They can leave that cash overseas, but they can still but they will still have to pay the one-time reparation fee. So wait a second. So no matter what, even if you leave the money overseas, any money that belongs to your company, if your company belongs in the United States, you have to pay 10% on, even if you leave it overseas. Yeah, but that's why so many corporations are no longer based here in the United States. That's why... That is the reason why Liechtenstein, no Luxembourg, Luxembourg. Well, well, Liechtenstein being the smallest country in the world, I believe. No, Luxembourg specifically. Luxembourg uh, has Luxembourg has more corporations than it does citizens. Huh. And so they're they're like our taxation is why. Yeah, I seem to recall that uh, the, what was it, the Irish Double Dutch Sandwich or something it was. There was some weird term for how to to properly um, launder your money and keep it offshore uh, by using some loopholes through Ireland and then and then uh, Belgium, I think. Yeah, no, Double Irish Dutch Sandwich. There it is, the Double Irish, yes. <laughs> See, I didn't actually make it up. No, it, it exists, and there are multiple ways to hide the money, and still, what they're doing here is not going to attract the megacorps, the people that would really be paying and helping this country by paying, to move their money legitimately back here. Because it's not far enough, because corporations are without empathy. And yeah, they're no, just cruel calculus. And they just care about the cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And them still hiding their money is better than still with, with how everything is than moving it back here to the U.S. Yeah. And, okay, yeah, we move it back here to the U.S. in what? Four, eight years is going to change? No, we're, we're not dealing with this. We're just going to keep it away because we're thinking long-term while you as a nation are thinking short-term. It'll be interesting to see what companies actually take advantage of this because when I'm thinking of this, I'm immediately thinking of Apple. I'm immediately thinking of Microsoft because they have, and Google, they have enormous business units Offshore. Hey, that's what she said. Hey, huge the tracks one, of assets. The, the, the only one that might do it is Apple because they got their hand caught in the cookie jar and well, are Google, now having to pay the EU. Google as well. 
Google has been in a huge fight with the EU. And they're going to lose that one. Yeah, but at the same time, they can afford to lose it. It's, it's again, just a cruel calculus of, you know, remember Microsoft having the same kind of fight with over Internet Explorer being bundled yeah. as, the, as the primary... Uh, primary browser yes they just paid it because they, they just it, paid the fine yeah because it they were still making more money in spite of the fine yeah well it's it was like just ended OSHA up being regulations a, here in the u.s just a line item it's, the cost of doing business that's all it is it's cheaper to pay the fines when you are caught for safety violations than actually update your safety yeah in many cases yeah so Therefore, you have to make things worse. You have to in, instill higher penalties. So other penalties. So that was just two. On to number three. An end to the deferral of taxes on corporation income earned abroad. Corporations will no longer be allowed to defer taxes on income earned abroad, but the foreign tax credit will remain in place because no company should face double taxation. Unlike the American people with the... Anyway, the American sorry. citizens yeah. are perfectly fine, but yeah, corporations right. shouldn't face double taxation. Yeah. Again, this is only a reason to completely have a separation between those companies and their offshore assets and their their internal um, patriation. Yeah. So things that happen in Ireland are simply going to ha- con- contain in Ireland. It'll be Microsoft Ireland, Apple Ireland, that kind of thing. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So there's no reason to do business as Apple America in another country at that point. So there's going to be perhaps a chilling effect based on that instead. And then lastly, reducing or eliminating some corporate loopholes that cater to special interests as well as deductions made on unnecessary or redundant by new lower tax rate on corporations and business income. We'll also phase in a real reasonable cap on the deductibility of business interest expenses. All, all vague speak. That is all saying nothing. I, I can't think of any specifics there that they would possibly do. No. So that's, yeah, pomp and circumstance. Nothing. Nothing there. And then I see that you added the House budget bill. So since you've looked at this. I haven't looked at it in depth. You've looked at it more Um, than I have. I'm just opening the link. So what do you got? Okay. Um, The big issue here is. I love that picture of Ryan, though. That's horrible. Oh, my God. the, the, The cruel, cruel calculus being done, uh-huh. which is taking a giant cut into what the Republicans like to refer to as entitlements. Yeah. Which is specifically Medicare. And okay. they're proposing a like close to half a trillion dollar cut over the next 10 years? Half a trillion. It's less than half. It's like $457 billion cut Jeez. to Medicaid, which would be forcing 
15 million people off of Medicare. On top of that is a proposal within that budget bill to move the uh, qualification age of Medicare mm-hmm. from where it is currently at 65, if I'm, I'm certain, um, to 67 or 68. Really? Okay. Yeah. So changing that, changing the goalpost on that. Changing the goalpost, um, and there is there is debate from what I've heard from from of course it's Dems, not Demi- uh, Republicans, on whether or not they would even include a grandfather uh, position in that, where people who are currently on Medicaid would no longer qualify and be dropped until they hit the new qualification age. So, incredibly cruel, incredibly uncaring, um, and that's how they're paying for a good bit of the tax cut is through this this new budget that they passed. Again, it hasn't passed their budget yet. Uh, I'm just where, showing uh, showing on, on the screen here for the. Uh for those that are looking at the video. This is the, the picture of Paul Ryan that I, I could not help but show you. Just that, that's so, he's so smug. Oh. Well, let's face it. Th- this man in, in college got off to Ayn Rand. Mm. All right? <laughs> um, Where's and- the lie? Where's the lie? It's true. It is his personal dream oh. to slaughter, slaughter Social Security and Medicare. It's personal wet dream. Yeah, yes. yeah. He he's gone on the record with that a few times. So you're not you're not blowing smoke. That's for sure. No. And this this is what the 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 House gives us. Is just let's try and cut every single safety net they can to make w- way for these tax cuts. Anything that could be possibly determined to be a welfare program, anything, or the arts. Well, they see the they see the arts as a welfare program too, because it's yes. just a handout for you know layabouts and you know the creative types. Artists. No, <laughs> Who cares about that? Uh, Churchill did. There was a war about it. Um, <laughs> Not specifically about the arts. There was more there, no, wasn't there? There was more. There was more. Um, read your history, folks. You'll find it funny. Like we do. Uh, we, find it, we find it terribly amusing. But still. But, yeah, no. The... Also, looking at specific shortfalls with in their budget to where they would be impacting Social Security and Medicaid on top of Medicare. Um, it's it's just dirty, awful politics, and it's all to make way for paying for. I'm going to sound like David here for a moment. <laughs> uh, 
their their corporate blood sucking overlords. Not to put too uh, fine a point on it, right? Yeah. 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 Who who have paid them yeah. to do their jobs so the corporations make more money. Yeah. Well that's kind of what they do. That's what lobbyists are for. They buy politicians so they can get their way. Yeah, but it, at this, it, it's it's one thing to have like a corporation have like a senator or a house representative in their back pocket. We are now seeing an entire party beholden to specific special interest. Well, yeah. And now it's getting to the point where it's not just even one party. We're they're starting to pick up other representatives across the aisle. Um, later on, when we start talking about guns, well, that is when it it, it really starts rearing its head. The non GOP senators are in a really bad position because they're in the minority party. They don't have any bargaining power. So in order to maintain any power that they do have, they have to make deals with the devil. To make sure that they don't lose the seat to their Republican counterparts. They have to make the deal with the devil so they get the money so they can continue to run. It's that whole dark money in politics thing. Well, again, you've already, listeners, you've already heard my diatribe on why we need to have publicly funded elections. Um, right, but you know, I always like to like to view each one of our episodes as its own little microcosm. Yes, we can certainly uh, refer back to all the long back catalog, but you know, uh, yeah. can, can you can you encapsulate okay. it into a couple sentences for us? I know that's hard. It's a diatribe, after all. It's like a mountain of soapboxes. But, no. Think of how fair and open and interesting our government would be if every, for every single federal position, these guys only got an allowance of $10,000. But it costs millions of dollars to run. You got ten k, <laughs> Make it work. But it costs millions <laughs> of dollars <laughs> to win an it, election. You've got ten k. Make it work. well. I'm going to need more money, so I'm going to ask ask the Koch no. brothers. No, th- this is why why I want it. You only get the 10k. You're but, not allowed to take money from special interest. Well, that's fine. Then I'll just have their pack do it for me, and they won't be associated with me. And can't contribute. Well, no, they're not contributing only, to me. They're doing their own pub- advertisements. No. No, you would see that just if we had true election reform and campaign finance reform, it would be you only get 10k public funds, 
Packs go away. Packs are gone. Packs cannot run ads. How would you do that, though? You have to legislate it. So there would be no political action committees. So, so as a private citizen, I wouldn't be allowed to run a political ad? No, you can still, however... I mean, still have I'm, I'm obviously, in my dreams, I'm obviously a, a citizen with, um, with plenty of means. Say my last name is Coke or Walton. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got plenty of means to buy lots and lots of advertising all over the place. Oh, that's great. Uh, but you cannot do political advertising. You can, How can however. I, but that's limiting my free speech. No. Political campaigning is not free speech. Isn't it? It is political campaigning. But isn't that free speech? No. How is that not free speech? I'm obviously challenging you on this, but, you know, these are real questions. uh, How is that not free speech? These these are real questions that I I wish I had a law degree. Um, (laughs) But you can work on that. It's free country. <laughs> it's, in my opinion, money is not speech. Corporations are not, cannot campaign. And as a private citizen, you want to campaign for your candidate, by all means, volunteer your time and go and get petitions. You can do that. That is perfectly fine and right within the law. Uh, you can write op-eds, okay. but you cannot form PACs. Okay, but as a, as a private citizen with lots and lots of means to do whatever the hell I want, I'm a billionaire. I can buy lots and lots of stuff. I want, that, I want my candidate to win, so I'm going to advertise why I think they should win. You can it's just do my that opinion. Through, through op-eds, but I, no TV time, no radio time. But how would you restrict that, though? I mean, that's... That, that, is, that is a sticky wicket. But I, I don't I think do that's know. enforceable. I have a question. Go for it. Is money the only determining factor in whether or not someone can run an ad? Because I don't think it is. No point but money even today but money pays for the ad so it's no 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 here's what i'm saying but here's what i'm saying if money is not the only determining factor in who can run an ad then we already have restrictions on who can run ads fair but what are so it's not necessarily limiting anybody's free speech we already have those limitations but we don't have we don't really have those limitations now either yeah if money's not the only determining factor in who can run an ad now today, yeah. that means that there it has are to other be a factors. political. It cannot be a private citizen. It is a political action community. Um, but anybody, and, anybody can run an ad right now. It's just a matter of having enough money to pay for it. That's the that's the limiting factor. Is whether or not there you reach the point where you can afford that's the ad. Absolutely not. True, though, because it depends on the content of the ad. We have content restrictions already. Are you going to argue political that speech we don't? Is not, political speech is not one of them. 
Right, but you're saying that it limits free speech. We already limit free speech. But we don't limit that free speech, is what I'm saying. But we limit other forms of free speech. So we're going to free have speech to... isn't necessarily free. It's, it, I mean, so this would be a... another classification of speech that we would then limit. That's, yes, that's yes. what we're saying. So we would yes. add political campaigning. Campaigning. Political campaigning. Well, maybe it's what not I'm even campaigning. Maybe it's just still a political opinion. What I'm saying is there's a precedent already. There's an yes, awful lot of billboards it, out there for anti-abortion. It is attached to a campaign. The abortion issue is something that would be a petitionable issue. But as for specific candidates, I'm saying no. You don't get to run ads in support or against specific candidates. So, I, I like being devil's advocate. It's fun. So, as as an organization with a political bend, and I have enough money, I buy a billboard company. And I simply, simply the the bottom barrel underneath the this space for rent kind of thing happens to also be a political opinion. Uh, then I would have to legislate the fair and balanced rule. Uh, as you are a media organization, billboards and media, that you have to give equal voice and equal time and equal access uh, to they that don't. Yeah, they, they simply opposition. don't right now. Okay, well, that's fine. Equal equal access, equal opportunity, and what about those areas that, that are... Com- equal com- exposure. Okay. But somebody has to pay for that. You already decided to throw your hat in the ring, so you have to pay for both. Oh, that wouldn't make it to the, that wouldn't make it through the Supreme Court. Fair and balance. You decide to throw your hat in the ring, you have to pay for both. Wow, that so isn't anything that's going to possibly make it past even round 1 of a legislative process. As a private organization, you have decided to throw your hat in the ring and yeah, that, therefore you have to pay for both. That wouldn't make it Honestly, out of, out of the I I house. say just like like over in the UK, hi, you get X amount of money. It's publicly funded. The other thing that I want is a, a limitation on our election cycle. Oh, as opposed to being like a year and a half or something? Yeah, I, I prefer the, the high, you got a month. The, the more blitz kind of campaign. Uh, You've got campaign. one month. Go. That you alone might... one month. That alone Go. might make it, uh, make it much more interesting. Of course... Um, what are the arguments to that? Country's too big. There's too nope. many people that we have to reach to make them uh, truly informed. Uh, we're, we're going to... to how, how would a candidate with limited means be able to make it to everyone? To be able to be seen by everyone? Proper use of the internet. But not, everybody, but not everybody has the internet. 
you've got 10K in one month. Make it work. Some places have two weeks. Okay? You, I, is, wow. It has been provable in other nations with counties as, as, as big as the counties we have here in the United mm. States. Uh, so at the county level, perfectly fine. State level, perfectly fine. At the national Canada level... Canada comparable? Uh, Canada and Australia are comparable. Um, you can, in two weeks, in some nations, it's you got two weeks to campaign. Other places is a month. I would say for national elections that you've got three months. But would, state, that, would that affect, be effective for the voter? I think three months would be effective for the voter for something like House representative, uh, senator, s- senatorial campaign, and presidential three months. For your state and county level, I think a month is plenty fine. It also means – I have a question. The, okay. At your county level, how many times have you gone out for the ballot and read names that you have no – clue who they are sometimes that i have had that happen a couple times i i specifically see it with judges very often so i have no idea who the hell these people are so even with the the elongated election cycles that we have now in this country we're still not effective yes getting the word out i'm going to make things to where your the attention span of the voter becomes something that is hyper focused, or it is up to the candidate to focus the voter. So, how about a combination of things? Because combinations seem to work better. Yeah. So you limit the campaign finance to what was it? Ten ten k. Ten k. Maybe twenty k for a national election kind of thing. Uh, for national elections, since we're doing three months, let's say 30K. Also, as a quick side note, for Canada, the minimum length of an election campaign is 36 days. Minimum. Length. Minimum, minimum one month. Okay. A little more than a month. Okay. A little more than a month. Right. What's the average? Well, that's a good question. Um, so, with that... I would say probably the most effective strategy to get engagement, because it's all about buy-in. How do you get people to actually participate in the damn thing? Mandatory well, ele- mandatory voting, right? Ma- part of it's mandatory voting, and for... Which they the have fe- in Australia. For the federal stuff, it's a holiday. Canada's average about 78. Average so a little over two months. So a little over three months. Or no, no, under three months. I'm sorry. Yeah, a little over two months. Right. Uh, and I'm saying for a f- for federal positions, you've got three months. Yeah. For UK, state, it's 139. For state and local, you've got a month. Just be glad we don't have Japan. Oh? 12 days. What? National election campaign length in days. Japan, by law, 12. 12 days. Not even a fortnight. Nope. 
Fortnite's 14 uh, days, people. 14 days. Wow, I, really? I love that. Um, but, yeah. It's you, interesting you, to you, see how the other half lives, isn't it? Yeah. Very interesting. Mandatory voting, you have election day be a federal holiday. And <laughs> you, you, you limit spending by making it publicly funded and only publicly funded. And you also can track the time. It also means Which, you don't have you don't have issue fatigue. Would you? It's true. Yeah. Would you include something that allowed for the actual election day to be election days? Uh yes. Or let's say, like, yeah, like hospital workers and and. I, I would say like you, election weekend or something. You, I I like that idea. That's nice. Of of having it be three days. And you have it start on on Sunday, and you do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So not like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? No, because so many service workers, and we are more of a service industry, Friday and Saturday are days where a lot of people are mandated to work. Corporations need those people on those days. There are a lot of companies that are closed on Monday and Sunday, you know, because so. Yeah. So, so Sunday, well, Monday, Tuesday. Sunday, that's absolutely it, true. It, but if you're making it a federal holiday. It, still, I want to I, – I, there is a conceit to, to corporate America and to small business like bars, restaurants, what have you, that do buku money on Friday and Saturday. Um, theater industry stuff like that. Restaurants, yeah, restaurants, yeah. yeah. And making it so that their, their workers are there on their busiest days, and you do three days. You do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's good. I like some the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday thing. I think that would work. Um, not as full holidays but those being the days that you are allowed to vote just having it more than one day would be an improvement in this country yeah no have it do be sunday monday tuesday for for election days um i would have one of those probably the monday be a federal mandate holiday you would have to if you're going to make it mandatory yeah. yeah. So the middle day would be would be good. We, would be mandated. Though there are have... still there are still businesses that are open on federal holidays. Yeah, but that's so. why you have you have you have the three days of voting, and I would also um, strongly suggest and provide funds to counties to the state to do early voting. Yeah. Um, and try and have the polls open but you two see, weeks you, you, <laughs> before. You have the problem there of actually encouraging people to vote. And we have a real a real hard time with that in this country lately. Of They don't want people to vote. Because the more people vote, then the more people vote in a democratic way. 
which yes, is but we are talking about fixing what's broken. Yeah, right. The, we have a broken system. This yeah. is how you fix it. Is yeah, I'm, you have, just, you, I'm you, sorry. You, you free up the fund. Keeps you free up the funds for for two for promoting early voting two weeks before our, our three days of worth of election days. So you you free up the funds to make that happen. Um, so you, you keep a, contra- a a compressed campaign that's publicly funded, and you make voting mandatory. What this also does uh, with both early voting uh, being extended and having the funds to provide for it, and um, also giving the three days of um, of voting with one being a federal holiday, is that it theoretically thins out the lines that we usually see on election day. So yeah, there's ch- yeah. there's a chance that somebody doesn't have to take the day off to go vote. They can do it on their lunch break or they can which is kind of shitty but like you can it, it would be I've feasible. Yeah, I've done it. It's it's not terrible. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's especially not terrible if the lines are not bad. Yeah. Right. Cuz you can in and out, right. done. And if you have three days, you, you can you can plan ahead, um, and and there's also early voting with and vote the, by the mail early voting and things like that, so. and, and you can do absentee ballots. Yep. Um, you you have enough concessions in place to make mandatory voting something that is doable. Okay, I like what we've come up with. So in our utopia that we build after the fall of fall of man, yeah, uh, you know this is something that we will implement in, you know, Netlandia. So citizens of Netlandia, thank oh. you very much for listening. Or Asgard, or Asgard. Yes, Asgard is is also a possibility. But uh, as listeners of O'Reilly Radio, you are Netlandians, and with that, I think that that wraps this show. But there's way more to come. Oh my god, there's so much more to come. But right now, if you've enjoyed what we've done here and you'd like to help us out, there's a few ways. You can donate to the show through www.patreon.com slash radio and get uh, stuff. Also, make the algorithms work for us by reviewing us on iTunes or whatever media you happen to find us on that has a review mechanism. That always helps boost our ranking and puts us in front of more eyeballs. And, of course, use your words. Tell somebody else about us. That's really the way that we get in front of other people. And it's the most important of all. And, of course, engage with us, with us directly. Send us a message on the social medias or the electronic mails at Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're the more talkative sort, there's 470-222-ORLY. That's 6759 always ready to take your call or your text. And if you don't like what we've done here this evening, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The Lifeline provides free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. Thank you for choosing to waste your valuable time on us. This has been a really radio part of the Random X Company. This work license under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 United States license, including the music Rocket and Pangea, created by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thank you everyone for joining us, and we'll see you real soon. Toodles!